know, as I was sitting here, I couldn't help but think I'd like to just go back and sit next to the fire and just enjoy all that the holidays are. As I get close, though, you know what I discover? That fire's not real. It's, it's make-believe. Much like so much of what we experience is hollow at best, make-believe. We have, we finished off Thanksgiving, and, and now we find ourselves in the, the start of the Christmas season. The Christmas season. It's the, it's the season of Jesus' birth. Or is it? Christmas being celebrated didn't come into being until the middle of the fourth century. And in America, Christmas didn't become a recognized holiday until 1870. In fact, in the early days of America, in many parts of this great nation of ours, it was illegal to celebrate Christmas. In Massachusetts, it was a serious crime even to put up Christmas decorations. How did we land on this idea of Christmas? And what about, what about the tree? I've heard that to put a tree in my house is actually a pagan expression. How in the world could a church have a tree anywhere in the church, much less on the stage? How can I walk into church and there be a Christmas tree on the stage and yet not even a hint of a cross? We've heard that, right? We've heard that conversation. We've, we've heard those debates. Let me share with you this morning. It is true that December 25 is not the day that Jesus was born. We don't know the date on which Jesus was born but biblical history and our understanding of the way life would have been in Jesus' day, it's highly unlikely that it was any time near December 25. In fact, it is most likely that Jesus was born late spring, early summer. One of the big reasons we know this is because that when G, on the night that Jesus was, was born, where were the shepherds? The shepherds were out in the fields watching over their flocks by night. The the animals would only be out in the fields when there's food out in the fields to eat. And in this time of year, the fields would have been bare. It would have been cruel to have the flock out in the fields. So we know this, that we celebrate this season because Pope Julius decided that this was the day, not because we have any historical precedents. Well, we could go on and on on the myths and fairy tales that we buy into. 
Now, let me share some truth with you. This is my favorite time of year. This afternoon, if you were to be at the Garvin household, this afternoon is the time that we have set aside to put up and decorate our Christmas tree. The honest, the truthful reason is this, is, is, is that as, as I've gotten older, when I was younger, I wasn't allergic to anything. And as I've gotten older, I've developed some allergies, and one of them is to pine. And so I love this kind of Christmas tree because I can be up next to it and not break out. But we celebrate the season because there's something significant to set aside a time of the year to honor the great I am. We, we put up a Christmas tree in our house because we know the, the history. There is some truth that in pagan religions, that some pagan religions and, 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 and some uh, Norse history, Roman history, even going back to Greek history, they have some history with evergreens. But what we love about the idea of the tree is back in the days of Martin Luther, actually it was in, 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 in many accounts, it was Martin Luther himself who said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take a tree and put it and decorate it in our home in honor of the celebration of Christ's birth. And so the actual decorating of an evergreen tree and putting it in a house does not go back to pagan religion. It actually goes back to the early formation of the church that you're a part of. There's something powerful that happens when we separate fact from fiction. David wrote this in Psalm 139. He says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any offensive or wicked way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. God, it is our prayer today that you would search us and that you would know our hearts, that you would test us and that you would know our thoughts. God, if there's any part of our activity or our attitude, if there's any aspect of who we are that is offensive to you, God, let, let today be the day that there's change in our attitude, that there's change in our activity, that there's change in our disposition, that there's change in our habit. And lead us, O oh God, Lead us, O oh God, lead us, O oh God, in the way of everlasting. Jesus, when he was uh, teaching, uh, uh, and there were a, a group of uh, folks who began to embrace what he was saying. And it says this in John chapter 8. It says, Jesus says this, those who hold fast to my teaching, you will really be my disciples, and then you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Jesus is talking to this group of people, and, and they begin to embrace. And, and he, he lands on what is the key to, to living life to its full. Right? Jesus made this statement. He said, the thief comes to steal, 
to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, I have come, Jesus says, that you might have life and have it to its full. Or I have come that you might have life and have it in its abundance. Jesus' design was that, for, that his followers would have this abundant life and, and to live in freedom. If you hold to my teaching, if you are one of my disciples, then you will have an understanding of truth, and that truth will set you free. See, the key to, the key to living life to its full, the, the, the key to walking the journey that God has for us is having an understanding of truth. Truth. That's the key. It, it's not your commitment. It's not your dedication. It's not even the consistency of your church attendance. The truth. It's not how much you pray. Truth. Jesus clearly says this. He says, the truth will make you free. Paul echoes this in Romans when he tells us this. He tells us that we're not to conform to the patterns of this world, but instead we're supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Earlier in Romans, Paul makes this statement. He says this, that people have so quickly exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped the created things rather than the creator who is forever to be praised. And it's easy for us, listen, it's easy for us to get caught up in, in these man-made propositions. Even our perceptions are our misperceptions about this season that we're now in. And what God wants us to do is God wants us to walk. He wants us to live in truth. In, in the early days of ministry, I had the opportunity. The, the first year that I was a, a lead pastor, uh, I, I played Joseph in our, in, in, in our church production. It was frightening at best, right? A tinfoil star that had uh, multicolored Christmas lights around it right? And I still remember, I still remember the, my, my one big line that I'm not going to share because it was awkward at best. It was, I mean, it was just really uncomfortable. And, and so, uh, but, but there I was playing Joseph because I was the youth pastor and I was on uh, payroll and I couldn't say no. A few years later, as a youth pastor, our lead pastor had this idea, this really great idea, that we would do a living nativity. Anybody else ever be a part of a living nativity? Anybody else have the responsibility for taking care of all of the animals in the living nativity? If you've ever had the responsibility of taking care of the animals in the living nativity, you would be the person that would make the decision that we're never going to do a living nativity. Especially, let me say this, for those of you that maybe have grown up in Central Florida, a living nativity isn't so bad here. But when you're in Central Illinois and you have this responsibility for about 30 animals and it starts to sleet, right, and, and, the, and the temperature drops to about 4 degrees, oh, let me tell you something, bitterness sets in and you want to go, listen, Jesus didn't live where it snowed. I've been there, I know. I was just there a few weeks ago and it was nothing like the weather that they're having in the Midwest right now. Jesus would not have put up with this. Also, let me let you in on a little secret, okay? That, that, that real cool little wooden manger never happened. See, where Jesus grew up, the manger would have been carved out of stone. But you know why we don't have concrete mangers? They're too heavy, right? We can't store them in the attic. 
How about this? How about the nice little wooden, you know, because that's where Jesus was. He was, he was born in a stable, and so it's a wooden stable. No. It was a cave. Wait, how about one more? How about, how about this? How about the lonely innkeeper, right? The innkeeper who says, we don't, you've all seen on the Christmas play, right? Where Jesus and Mary, they come and knock on the door of the inn. And the innkeeper rose up and says, there's no room in the inn, but if you'd like, I've got a stable out back and you can stay in that. Anybody ever seen that? Any ever, anybody ever played the role of the innkeeper? Never happened. Wait a minute, pastor. The Bible says that, they were, that Jesus was born in a manger because there was no room in the inn. That's not what it says. In the original Greek, what it says is this. It says that Jesus was born in the area where the animals were kept, and he was, he was indeed lied in a, put in a manger because there was no room in the, the Greek word is kataluma, which means sleeping chamber. So Joseph and Mary went to Bethlehem to be counted so they could be taxed. They're there with their family, and large family, everybody, you know, had their sleeping areas. It would not have made sense to have a woman who was about to give birth to be in the sleeping area with everybody else. So they made Joseph and Mary very comfortable in the area where the animals would have been kept. Jesus was born around Joseph's family in, more than likely, their large family compound that's called an insular. He was born in the lower level, which would have been a cave, and he was, li- he was laid into a concrete manger. Have you ever seen that in church on, on, on Christmas Eve? See, we, we have these we have these, these, these mythical ideas and we, we have these fabrications. Why? Because they fit our convenience. And listen, we don't just do the same things about the Christian story. We do this about so much of our theological understanding and so much of our practical life. We exchange the truth of God for a lie and we worship the created or the fabricated things, the fabricated ideas, rather than the reality of who God is and the life that he has for us. And here's what I'm convinced of. I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that the church has to change because the the generation that is rising up today, they're a generation that is no longer willing to embrace make-believe. But the reality of who God is, the reality of who God is is so amazing and so wonderful and so true and so undeniable that if we simply present Jesus for who He really is and allow people to have an understanding of God for all the majesty that He is, you absolutely cannot deny Him because the reality of God, friend, is undeniable. Let me say that again. The reality of God is absolutely undeniable. Well, let me give you just real quickly some, some, some lies that we embrace and, and truths that we need to find. Okay? Here, 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 here's a lie about the thought life. The lie is this, that I can't help what I think about because it just pops into my mind. Not true. Here's what, here's what God's Word says in Colossians 3. Set your mind on the things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. How about this? You know what? It's no big deal. There are no, there are no real consequences to sin. Because 
the reality is this. And if I'm a Christ follower, I've got this wonderfully cool get-out-of-jail-free card, right? It's called grace. And so it doesn't matter if I sin. It's not that big of a deal. There aren't, the, there aren't those big issues. Well, here's what it says in James 1.15. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. The reality is there are consequences. See, we're tempted to believe that there is no consequences. But God's Word says that every time there is sin, there is death. Some of us have killed our finances through sin. Some of us have killed a marriage through sin. Some of us have destroyed family through sin. Some of us have killed our reputation through sin. And the reality is this, while it may be a slow death, in fact, it may at times be almost imperceptible, the fact remains that there is damage, there is death, and it's inevitable when we choose to sin. See, when we're tempted to sin, it gives birth to death, the Word of God says. How about this? How about the idea of truth, honesty? See, we, we, we live in a world that says this. It's okay to lie in certain circumstances, especially if it help us, helps us get to where we need to be, or maybe even if it protects somebody else from hurt. But here's what, here's what God's Word says. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. How about this? Materialism. We even have a segment of the church today, friends, that wants you to buy into the lie that God wants to bury you with all kinds of really cool stuff. And in fact, if you give enough money to their organization, if you give enough money to their ministry, God's going to bless you because their ministry is the pipeline to materialism. How about forgiveness? There are some of you that are here today and you have bought into the lie that you can't forgive or that the people around you that have hurt you don't, don't deserve forgiveness. We also bind the lie that if we forgive, we are somehow justifying or validating unhealthy behavior. And it's so contrary to what God demonstrates is His forgiveness towards us. Here's what Ephesians 4 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you. A few more. Change. I can't change because this is the way I am. I'm my father's son. Have you ever said that? You ever heard somebody say that? I'm my father's daughter. I'm my mother's son. I'm my mother's daughter. It's the way I am. You know what? I'm Italian, and that's the way we are. Stop it, Italians. We're sick of hearing it. Okay? I'm German. I'm, I'm Puerto Rican. I'm Irish, right? That's, I'm, I, ha, I have Irish heritage, right? We're Irish. Listen, Irish, we're a bunch of fighters. Have you ever noticed this? That every culture are fighters, Right? And what we, we, we will rationalize it. We'll rationalize this idea of behavior. We'll just go, I am who I am. It's the way I am. It's part of my genes. It's part of my family heritage. But God's word says this. It says that we're not supposed to conform to the patterns of this world. If anyone be in Christ, they are a new creation. Anger. Oh, anger's no big deal. God got angry. Well, here's what James 1 says. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteousness that God desires. Speech. You know what? My words don't matter. Do not let any, any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what's helpful for, for building others up. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. How about this lie? You know what? That relationship doesn't adversely affect who I am. And yet Proverbs says, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. 
We, we have to move from misconceptions, myths and fairy tales to truth. We have to speak the truth. We have to personalize the truth. We have to pray the truth. We have to memorize the truth. We have to meditate on the truth. Because if not, it's so easy for us to get caught up into the counterfeits, the counterfeits life and the counterfeits of, of, of religion. The story of Jesus is a wonderful story. And the celebration that we have, even in this Advent season, the celebration that we have is an amazing celebration. But we live in a time in 2018 where Christmas, Christmas has been co-opted by commercialism. And it's real tough for the church to respond because, well, because we're dealing with enough myths of our own. We live our life in counterfeits. What do some of the counterfeits in the church look like? Well, it's easy for the church to get caught up in the counterfeit of emotionalism. And we'll judge, we'll judge church on how good it is based on how emotional we have felt. How, how much our, our emotions have been, have been stirred. I want you to know this, that every decision that you make is a decision of the mind, the will, and the emotion. And I believe this. I believe every time that we come into God's house, we should be moved emotionally. I'll tell you this. Every time I get up to speak, I want to do this. I want to make you laugh. I want to make you cry. I want to move you emotionally somehow. Here's the reason why. Because I know this. I know that it's one of the ways that we tap into God. But it's not the only way that we tap into God. See, God is about much more uh, than emotion. And, And when we have When we have emotion without substance, it rings absolutely hollow. The danger, though, is to swing to the other side and and, and push aside emotionalism and and buy into performance. In fact, that's where a lot of religion lives. A lot of religion lives in performance. If you look at the vast majority of religions in the world, they're absolutely performance-based. And and we can can turn on the news today and look at some of the headlines, and, and we can see what happens when we push aside this real connection with a living God and, and go to performance-based religion? And we have people that do unspeakable things because they've been convinced that somehow they're going to get a reward in the afterlife that absolutely doesn't exist. There's also, there's also an aspect of religion that finds roots in intellectualism. But truth truth, without a genuine connection with God, it rings hollow. In fact, the Bible tells us this. It says that knowledge puffs up. But love builds up. We we need a faith today. We need, a, we need a God experience today. We need a Christmas story today that is much more real than that fake fire.
And here's reality. The reality is this. That God created you. Before you were fashioned in your mother's womb, God knew you. God had you in mind when he created Adam out of the dust of the earth. And when he took a, a rib from Adam and, and formed Eve, God, God knew you. God knew you when he put together a plan with Noah to save mankind from destruction that was justified because of righteous judgment that needed to come to the earth. God knew you. And God had a plan for you. You were born in imperfection. You were born in sin. Sin, it means missing the mark. And each one of us are imperfect imperfect in our own way. And, And God had an understanding of that before you were born. And before you were born, God had a plan for you, a plan to move you from the bondage that comes from our imperfection, the bondage that comes from our sin, to living life free, living life victorious, living life that allows us to be joyful. I mentioned it earlier. I'll state it again. Jesus said it really clearly in John 10.10 when he said, I have come that you might have a full life. See, life isn't meant to be endured. It's meant to be enjoyed. And when we, when we know God for who he really is, beyond the myths and the fairy tales, beyond the misnomers and the outright lies, and we connect with God in a very real way, the experience is without compare. It's absolutely without compare. God did in his perfect timing. God chose to become Emmanuel, God with us. You know when Jesus was born? Many people would say Jesus was born 2018 years ago. How do we know that? Because We're in the year 2018 A.D., 2018, the year of our Lord, right? So we could do the math. It's real easy, 2018. Although, do you know what? They missed it. Jesus wasn't born in zero A.D. How could you say that, Pastor? Well, here's how we know that. Jesus was, when Jesus was born, who was the king of Judea at the time? Herod, right? Herod was king of the Jews, Did you know this, that Herod wasn't Jewish? Isn't that kind of crazy? little side note, he wasn't Jewish, he was an Edomite. Herod was actually put as the king of the Jews by Rome. He was a puppet king. Herod died about 4 BC. Jesus was born during the time that Herod was king. So, Bradley, I'm going to test you. If 
If Herod died about 4 BC and Jesus was born during the time that Herod was king, when was Jesus born? It had to be before 4 BC, correct? And we think sometime around 6 BC to 4 BC, Jesus was born. Now, here's what I will tell you. Jesus was born. Doesn't matter if it was 0 AD or, 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 or 4 to 6 BC. Absolutely not. Jesus was born of a virgin. Jesus lived a sinless life. Jesus said this, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus willingly surrendered himself allowed himself to be beaten, to pay the price for your freedom and victory. He allowed himself to be placed on a cross. He suffered and bled and died to pay the price for all of these things that keep you bound. Jesus rose on the third day. And today, Scripture tells us that there are two significant things that he's engaged in. Number one is this. He sits at the right hand of God, interceding for you. And he's also busy preparing ultimately where you will spend eternity. Knowing that, I think it's a good thing that we celebrate his birth. And seeing how we don't know what day exactly Jesus was born. And knowing that landing on his actual birthday would probably put us pretty close to Easter. Can I offer something to you today? I'm totally okay with December 25. In fact, I'm enough okay with it that if you want to celebrate with me, I'll invite you to do so. We've got a Christmas Eve service. I expect you to be here. And if you want to bring me a present, I'm totally cool with that. <laughs> Whatever you like. I can give you some ideas. Email me. I'll, I'll send you a list. <laughs> got no problem with it. I'll sing the Christmas carols. I'll, I'll decorate the tree. And it has substance when we move beyond the myth, when we move beyond the make-believe, and we discover the reality of who the Messiah is. You know, there's much more information I could give you today. There's much more that I could talk about on this subject. But... But I want to leave you with this closing thought. It's so easy for 
it's so easy for us to get caught up in in what is man-made. And in so doing, miss God. As I was as I was preparing for as I was preparing for today's service, there was uh, there were a couple faces that kept playing in the memory of my mind over and over again. They were, they were people that um, when, I, when I came to be the pastor of this church um, just under five years ago, it was January 12th of 2014 that I became the lead pastor of this church. So we're coming up on the fifth anniversary. Time flies. And as, as I was praying and preparing for this message, there, there were a couple of faces that kept playing over and over just in the, in the recesses of my memory. And they're, they're no longer here. And not only are they not here, they're, they're, they're not connected to any church. I saw one of them not too long ago, and I wish I could, I wish I could describe to you the difference between what their facial expression looked when I met them in 2014 and and what their facial expression looked like in 2018. When I saw them in 2018, their, their joy was gone. Their, their sense of anticipation was gone. Well, what happened? What, what pulled them away from, from this? They got, they got sidetracked by the, the traditions and the myths that the church embraces. And they saw that being the church's identity rather than Jesus. And they, they pushed back from that. And unfortunately, and instead of pushing back from that and, 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 and grabbing hold of Jesus for what he really is and who he really is, they shifted significantly the other direction. And they say that the eyes are the window to the soul. And to, and to look into their eyes, there was, just a sense of lostness. And 
I began praying for them, and, and, and I, I, I prayed this over them. I prayed that somehow this Christmas season, that this truth would ring in the recesses of their heart and their mind. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And let heaven and nature sing. He rules the world. He does. And, and when, we, when we come to understand the glories of his righteousness, it, it's the answer. So I don't know so much about I don't know so much about a lot of the way that we, even the church, embraces this time of year. And to be candid, I, <laughs> I think there are some significant things that we could change about the way that we love our life throughout the year. But I know the truth still stands. Let us seek the truth. Let us know the truth. Let us pray the truth. Let us share the truth. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening, and God bless. You have the ability to choose.